The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Hello and welcome to Squawkbox. Here are your headlines today. The Fed lifts rates 25 basis points and suggests the hiking cycle is drawing to a close. But Jerome Powell warns recent turmoil in the banking sector could spark a credit crunch. And have that, not considered or discussed anything having to do with blanket um, insu- insurance or guarantees of two points. deposits. Treasuries rally as markets eye the peak of the Fed's rate hiking journey, but equity markets slump and banks sell off. This after, as we heard, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen backtracking on deposit backstops. Well, there is more central bank action to come with the Bank of England expected to hike interest rates by 25 basis points as the UK struggles to keep a lid on inflation. While in Switzerland, investors will be looking at how the SNB addresses the fallout from the collapse of Credit Suisse. And the US SEC accuses Coinbase of uh, potential securities violations, sending shares in the crypto group sharply lower. But Bitcoin, though, wow hovering around nine-month highs. So there's a lot to unpack here, so let's dive straight into the announcement. The Fed has raised interest rates by 25 basis points, bringing the target rate to 4.75% to 5%. That's the range. It was the ninth rate hike since March 2022 and could be one of the committee's last, as the central bank indicated. It is on the verge of a pause and even considered one this month in the light of the global banking crisis. Well, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, expressed caution about the turmoil in the banking sector and said the U.S. banking system is, quote, safe and sound. Powell acknowledged the central bank has softened its tone in light of recent events. We're looking at what's happening among the banks uh, and asking, is there going to be some tightening of credit conditions? And then we're thinking about that as effectively doing the same thing that rate hikes do. So in a way, that substitutes for rate hikes. So... The, the, the key is we have to have policies need got to be tight enough to bring inflation down to 2% over time. It doesn't all have to come from rate hikes. It can come from, uh, you know, from uh, tighter credit conditions. Funny enough. The Fed has kept its terminal rate of 5.1% unchanged from December, with 10 out of 18 members signaling they only expect one more rate hike this year. Meanwhile, seven others still predicted rates going beyond the 5.1% level. The committee also revised its projection for 2024, forecasting rates would fall to 4.3%, which was slightly higher than its December estimate of 4.1%. But I think if you look at the dot plots, you can see just how close the dots are together for 2023. The dispersion starting out for 2024 and again widening out for 2025. So that just gives you a sense of how many of those members are feeling at this point. Or Powell said the path for future rate hikes is not set. Participants expect uh, relatively slow growth, a gradual rebalancing of supply and demand in the labor market with inflation moving down gradually. In that most likely case, if that happens, participants don't see rate cuts this year. They just don't. I would just say, as always, the path of the economy is uncertain.
The Fed also updated its economic projections, revising its GDP forecast for 2024 down to 1.2% from the 1.6% it had predicted in December. The unemployment forecast remained unchanged for next year at 4.6%, while inflation this year is now expected to be 3.3% compared to 3.1% previously. Jeff. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the government is not considering a blanket guarantee for deposits in U.S. banks without congressional approval after the FDIC stepped in to protect all deposits at Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. This after multiple reports that the FDIC and the Treasury have studied ways to raise the $250 million insurance limit without congressional approval if the crisis grows. Well, in a Senate committee appearance, Yellen was asked whether ensuring all deposits would require the approval of Congress. This is not something that we have looked at. It's not something that we're considering. Um, all, the, all that I have said is that um, when the failure of a bank is judged by supermajorities of the FDIC board, the Fed board, and myself in consultation with the president, when such a failure is deemed to create systemic risk, which I think of as the risk of a contagious bank run, that we are likely to, in, to invoke the systemic risk exception, which permits the FDIC to protect all depositors, and that that would be a case-by-case -case determination. I understand. I have and that, not considered uh, or discussed anything having to do with blanket um, insur insurance. Uh, Janet Yellen there, but the, the, the man who took over from her at the Federal Reserve, I thought it was fascinating yesterday. Did you not think it was fascinating, ladies and gentlemen? We were down at Carnaby Street yesterday, the, the, the home of uh, pop culture in London in the 1960s, and I started thinking about The Who, arguably the greatest British rock band of all time, and one of their great songs called Substitute. Do you remember that one? And I thought it was all about Substitute yesterday, because the fact is, you not read this, and I still read the copy, as it was a dovish hike. Really? Is that what you read? Is that what you saw yesterday? Because the market at one point was, yeah, dovish hike. We're up 200 points on the down. And then it had a 730-point tick to the downside. Why do you think it was a dovish hike? Because you all, you all clung on to the tautology, onto the language. Uh, some additional policy firming rather than the previous commentary of ongoing rate hikes. And you lot were off to the races at first, weren't you? Yeah, that's really exciting. It's a dovish hike. But you didn't listen to the substitute bit of it, did you? Well, he did eventually. The substitute bit was Powell saying, uh, yeah, some of our work on rates doesn't need to be done now because the tightening market conditions and bank lending criteria is doing the work for us, i.e. substitute. And quite frankly, with the cumulative increases we've seen on hikes, uh, plus now what we're seeing in the turmoil in the banking sector, it's doing the Fed's work for them. It's something actually we mentioned in lieu of this in advance uh, yesterday as well. And by the way, when you guys are talking about dovish hikes, did you look at the dot plot? Did you actually look at it yesterday? Because here's one piece of data for you as well. The fact of the matter is that you saw the, the, um, t the increase uh, in the expectations of where rates are going to be at the end of next year. That went up 
4.3% rather than 4.1%. So there were some nuances in there. You can read what you like into this stuff as well. But a dovish rate hike? Did you think it was dovish? I thought it was actually not so dovish for the US economy. I thought it was actually quite worrying for the US economy. And maybe one day some people out there will start wor stop worrying uh, about the absolute level of rates and look at the liquidity conditions in there and the ramifications from those rate hikes. Let's have a look at the big and small banks anyway. On the back of uh, Yellen and Powell yesterday, what did the banks do? They did this. Perfect. Um, fifth, First Republic, I mean, that's just a lottery, isn't it? Day by day, down 15% on this one. But, uh, PacWest Bank Corp down 17%. Zion down 6.7%. Uh, the behemoths at the top row, though, they were mildly easier across the board, including Bank of America down 3.3%. I'll do treasuries very quickly. The two-year, of course, yield dropping uh, fairly aggressively. Uh, went down to 3.93, now down to 3.88 as well. 0.24% down yesterday as well. Um, recession indicators, what are they flashing? Well, not as extreme as it was before, but you've still got, what is it, 50? 52, 53-point inversion on the 210 as well. Uh, dollar crosses. The dollar uh, continues to demise somewhat as well. Again, is it falling because of your rate expectations or falling because your concerns about recession in the States and the tightening lending conditions as well? Pound's got a 123 handle now. Did you see the data in the UK yesterday for our international viewers? Ouch! This is a central bank which is desperate, desperate to cut rates, or at least not to raise them anymore. 10.4% inflation. Nothing to do with Brexit, though. Nothing to do with the problems we've got there as well. And the fact we haven't got any tomatoes. In fact, it's got a lot to do with tomatoes, genuinely. Uh, Euro dollar 109.05, that continues to pick up as well. Asian indices look like this. What are they doing? What are they doing? Well, mixed, really. ASX 200 down 7 tenths of 1%. Hang Seng up 1.4% as well. And the opening calls for European markets. Before we get to Mr. Yoshikami, he'll have an interesting thing or two to say. We are called mildly lower across the board. Right. Let's move on. Uh, Michael Yoshikami is the CEO and founder of Destination Wealth Management and joins us now for more analysis on what the Fed did. Michael, good morning. Um, just give us your read. How dovish or otherwise do you think the announcement and the statements were? Uh, well, I think it was pretty dovish. I think what investors have been looking for, both equity and fixed income investors, have been looking for an end to the rate hike cycle. And I think the words that Powell used, saying that you may have tightening conditions that does some of the work for the Federal Reserve, I think suggests that we're near the end of rising rates. And I think that's um, certainly a positive, in my view, long-term for equities and fixed income. Although, obviously, the concerns are, on a near term, uh, a recession, which is, I think, probably why the market went down as much as it did. Can I just take issue because I, I, my sense was that Powell actually threw up every potential option and didn't stick to any of them. And, and to, to my mind, what he's done is he's introduced another layer of uncertainty about the Fed's intentions here because the language was, was pretty clear. Some additional policy firming may be appropriate. But then he goes on to talk about the uh, concern about the availability of credit for consumers and businesses that will be monitored closely recent events could cause some ripple effects that slow down the economy reference to the banking crisis so there was a little bit of everything for anybody who was looking for more hawkish or more dovish language at this stage what then convinces you that in the round this was a dovish statement uh, because he actually talked as if there is a potential uh, in sight in the future for rates not to go up significantly. So, I mean, yes, he threw in lots of different things to talk about, but the Fed always does this. The Fed is essentially 
I mean, they're just as lost as everybody else in terms of what's really going to happen in the next three to six months. You know, we think the Federal Reserve is somehow um, has a better crystal ball than anybody, and they they really don't. That's why in the past, uh, trying to get to a soft landing has not always been successful. So I think he said everything, all the possibilities, but to me... The, the key point was he's saying that we're near the end of increases. And I think that's what markets have been looking for. Pick up on that yes. point that there is losses as everybody else. It does raise the question as to whether we're in more elevated territory of a policy mistake here. Because, you know, a couple of risks that we've got inflation that could reaccelerate down the track or that we could see that downturn of financial crisis of some sort uh, in the banking system, the financial system, given the fragilities that have been exposed. What do you think the potential now is of a policy error from the Fed? I think it's a pretty high po- uh, possibility, Karen. And I think that um, you know, the Fed, again, I, 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 I realize that everyone likes to think of the Federal Reserve as really having all the answers. But they're doing the best they can based on current information. He said, Powell said during his comments, that it's really uncertain what the banking situation is going to do. So um, that's really the real question um, of what is the potential policy error they might make. Uh, If they had gone up 50 basis points, I think it's fair to say that would probably have been a policy error. I think 25 basis points is probably on the edge of a policy error, uh, perhaps, given what's happening with Silicon Valley Bank and some of the other banks here in the United States. Michael, when it comes to the market reaction, some of this really caught up around Janet Yellen's comments too by not extending the guarantee for deposits uh, across all banks from here. What's your sense of just where some of the regulation and some of the the backstops will go to from here because there's concerns that there'll be increased action now against some of the smaller regional banks, but also too that there's just policy uncertainty as to how far these deposit guarantees will go? Yeah, you know, it's it's a bit of a problem because if you automatically go out and say, I'm going to cover everybody's bank deposits, what does that really do? It actually increases the risk-taking behavior of financial institutions. So I think that there is going to be, um, I'll give you a perfect example. I think that the loan ratio of certain banks, in other words, are they loaning out more than they actually have in deposits on a regulatory basis as we stand right now? That might be okay. I think in the future, that's probably what Yellen is talking about, uh, Secretary Yellen is talking about in terms of uh, maybe reining in some of the bank's activities. So I think they've been very clear that there has to be action. And I think they're clear that the market wants to hear that there's going to be action. And that's why I think they're talking about this more and more, particularly if we have issues with First Republic and Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Hey, Michael, lovely to see you as ever. Look, in terms of, uh, okay, let's go, let's go with it. Let's say it was dovish, okay? Let's say it was um, more dovish than perhaps I think. Anyway, th- th- that's bad because I think he thinks the markets have got this badly wrong in terms of what credit tightening looks like. That was what the message I got from the Fed is like, if we are pausing, it's because uh, actually the, the work is being done elsewhere and the market's too busy looking over here at the Fed when actually now it needs to look at the tightening credit conditions, even from the behemoths, even from the big banks, who if they're taking on more deposits, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to start loosening up uh, and lending more money. Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, you, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of bad news is good news, right? If the economy is softening significantly, and certainly you're going to see the economy soften because of what's happening in the banking sector. Hey, great news for interest rates. But interest rates are just sort of a number. What really actually matters is the overall health of the economy, overall GDP. So um, you're absolutely correct that in a way, 
the slowing of interest rates is really an indication that the economy is getting worse. That's why the so-called mythical soft landing is really everyone's goal. Powell made a point of saying that he sees, quote, a path to a soft landing. Uh, I don't see how you possibly can see any path uh, because I, I just think there's just too much uncertainty right now. So at this point, we believe that we're going to move into uh, a shallow recession. I just don't think a soft landing is in the cards because I think tightening, combining what's happening with banks as well as falling prices, I think is going to lead to recessionary conditions. Um, Michael, the S&P is up 2.5% for the year, the Dow 3.37, the Nasdaq Composite up 11.5% as well. Are we going up or down from here? I think we're going up. Um, I think when I say up, I'm talking about by the end of the year. I'm not talking about in the next three weeks because uh, I think the next 60 to 90 days will be some sort of inflection point. Uh, but I think that the markets are going to rise uh, compared to where they are now because I believe there's either going to be a soft landing, which I put as a less than 50% probability, or a shallow recession. And I know he said in his comments the base case is not to cut rates, but I'm still convinced it's possible they will cut rates in the fourth quarter if we go into a recession. Can you imagine what that will do to the markets? Even though the market rates have gone up 300 basis points, if they come back, uh, I think that's going to be really per uh, perceived as a, a, a positive that the Federal Reserve is taking action to lubricate the economy. Michael, let's ask you about the fixed income side of the ledger as well then. Can we, can we see gains for both equity investors and fixed income investors this year? I think we can. I think we can. I mean, we're already starting to see that, right? You already look at what fixed income is doing. Look where the 10-year treasury was six or nine months ago. Look where it is now. Look at where the two-year treasury is. So, I mean, if you really look and see what's happening in terms of the huge losses that occurred last year, you know, the ag index last year was down, I think, 10 or 11 percent. Um, is it possible that we could rebound from that? Maybe not the full 10 or 11 percent, but from a flat line starting in January, I think there's a high probability the fixed income market will be up this year and, in fact, already is. We've got to say goodbye, but it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Good to catch up. Michael Yoshikami, the CEO and founder of Destination Wealth Management. Uh, it is D-Day for Europe's central banks. Decision Day just ahead will be live in London and Zurich ahead of their key rate decisions. Uh, Arabile will join us from there and Germana will be with us out of Switzerland. For more on the Fed's decision and how markets are reacting to the latest rate hike, be sure to check out the Squawkbox podcast. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com.
Well, the Bank of England is due out of its latest rate decision in a matter of hours and is widely expected to hike by another 25 basis points in what would be the 11th consecutive hike. UK consumer price inflation for the 12 months to February came in, uh, as you recall, uh, yesterday. Very, very hot. Uh, in a setback for the Bank of England uh, in its battle on rising prices, although Governor Andrew Bailey has pledged not to be swayed by big moves in monthly data. Meanwhile, recent events in the banking sector will have only clouded the picture further. Let's get to Arabile, who's moved from Carnaby Street to Threadneedle Street. Arabile, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Steve. So, yeah, you're quite right about that number, right? 10.4%, it certainly was a big surprise and a, a big headache then for the Bank of England. It does offer them kind of the sense of understanding that the situation isn't fixed as yet, right? Perhaps they haven't necessarily reached that terminal rate. The expectation really, even after that inflation print yesterday, was that you'd see 98% of those interest rate swaps really looking towards that 25 basis point hike almost being a certainty effect right with some even considering a 50 basis point hike so perhaps that is a similar sentiment we will see uh, out of the monetary policy committee uh, from the Bank of England then assuring people that they will continue to fight in uh, inflation but you have to consider the other side of this, right? You do have an economy which is pretty much stagnant and is heading in a really difficult situation. While for now it has indeed avoided um, a recession, the question is for how long can it continue to do so? The Bank of England itself had really offered the worst kind of estimates with regards to growth. So they would probably want to see a situation that is slightly better. The current banking crisis that we have seen with the likes of uh, Credit Suisse and UBS uh, infiltrating the market on the back of the silver gate and uh, all the other banking situations we saw, of course, have certainly also played a role. And we'll get word from uh, the Bank of England, uh, presumably, with regards to how they feel about that and what exactly uh, the risks could be to the market overall, if any. Uh, as well. We certainly have seen bond markets also move divergently, right? So because of yesterday's Fed hike uh, of 25 basis points, some are uh, projecting that perhaps the Fed is done in hiking rates, which means that they're looking at bond deals and heading in totally different directions when it comes to the United States and in Europe. And some then saying perhaps it's time to sell the dollar just a little bit as well. We even saw uh, bond yields on the 10K UK guilt really uh, drop off uh, as well than uh, yesterday. So that will be keenly interesting to take note of and see exactly how things fare throughout the day. Expectations though, certainly for that 25 basis point hike. All right, excellent work. And we are going to be breaking the Bank of England rate decision later on today with decision time. You can catch that at 12 p.m. Uh, that's 12 GMT. Uh, Credit Suisse bondholders are preparing legal action against the Swiss government over its decision to write down $17 billion worth of the failed bank's paper. It comes after the Bank of England and the European Central Bank distance themselves from Switzerland's approach to uh, creditor priority. According to the FT, bondholders are looking at lawsuits in more than one country, citing violation of investors' property rights. The Swiss National Bank is expected to hike its key policy rate by 50 basis points today. That is according to Reuters' economists. 
even as money markets lean towards a smaller 25 basis point bump amid the fallout from the failure of Credit Suisse. We're going to bring you that decision when it breaks at 9.30 CET. Let's get out to Jamana for more. Jamana, the Wall Street Journal has painted a, a picture that the rescue of Credit Suisse was actually more of a rescue of Switzerland as a global, global banking centre. With that context and given all the players in the backdrop over the weekend, including the central bank governor, what does it mean today in the context of a rate hike that we're setting up for? Mm, well, I'm sure many commentators will be putting that question to the SMB chairman, Thomas Jordan, later, myself included. Uh, but for now, let's just focus on the decision at hand, given everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks. With me right now is Stefan Gerlach, the chief economist from EFG. Wonderful to have you with us. The market is kind of expecting, or it's, they've pared down their expectations, but still uh, leaning closer towards a 50 basis point hike at today's meeting. Do you think they're still going to go for it despite everything that's happened? I think they will do so. Inflation in Switzerland is simply too high. It was 3.4% uh, last time in Switzerland. That's a very, very high number. And the SMB has stated, I think, uh, I think correctly, that uh, something needs to get done. It, it, if you just step back, though, it does seem a little crazy that on a week where one of their two biggest banks had to get acquired by another one in an emergency bailout situation, that the central bank is still going along such a hawkish path well i think the market has uh, absorbed this news uh, of the uh, of the of ubs's purchase of credit Suisse very well there isn't much financial market turbulence um, so i think in light of that uh, it, it makes sense to power on and just raise interest rates when you look at the inflation situation in switzerland you talk about inflation numbers being very high 3.4 percent was the print back in february 2.4% on core, which actually is the highest on record. That does sound high relative to their target of 2%, but still those numbers are a lot lower than some of the other inflation prints that you're getting around the rest of the Eurozone and in the UK, for example, yesterday, which is still in double digits territory. Why is inflation structurally lower here? So one reason inflation has been low in the, in the last year or so is that Switzerland consumes relatively little oil, gas, uh, uh, and, uh, and consequently hasn't at all been affected to the same extent as other countries by the impact in, in, in carbon prices, effectively in carbon energy prices. That has been a big part. There's a large amount of administratively set prices in Switzerland. And finally, of course, the S&P has, has tightened monetary policy and let the exchange rate appreciate, and that was plainly the right, the right move. How high do you think they're going to go in this hiking cycle then? They've going to, obviously, if they do hike 50 basis points a day, they only meet once a quarter and the signaling that we got, say, out of the Fed and also at the most recent Bank of England meeting is that they're nearing the end of their own rate hiking cycle. Could we be in a situation where the other big central banks have stopped and the S&B still keeps going? Surely, yes. I mean, the S&B focuses very squarely on inflation. It has an objective of keeping inflation in this range of price stability, which is 0 to 2 percent. Inflation is 3.4 percent right now. Um, I think it's quite likely, actually, that they will follow through with another rate increase in, uh, in June, provided that this financial market turbulence actually does subside, as it seems to have done. Mm, where do you see peak terminal rate then for the S&P? Where do you think they get to? Well, they could get to, they could get to 2%, something like that, I think, mm -hmm. is, is, quite, is quite plausible. And, and talk to me about how you see the interplay between the balance sheets as well as their interest rates as a, pool for, uh, as a tool for making monetary policy decisions, because that's one thing that the S&B have leaned on very heavily over the course of, uh, of the last few years. They 
resort to using their balance sheet to help appreciate, depreciate the currency, which sort of goes in conjunction with their monetary policy decision. Yes, I, th I think they managed that very well. I mean, right now they appear to be shrinking the balance sheet and, uh, and engaging in interventions actually to, and they've been selling uh, foreign, uh, foreign assets. And I think that makes sense. Having two tools, an interest rate tool and also the ability to intervene in the foreign exchange market is, of course, very helpful if you, are, if you have a, a small and extremely open economy like, like we have here in Switzerland more tools makes it easier. And yet some people, many people point to the fact that they are sitting on billions of Swiss francs of losses because of equity investments that have gone bad. Uh, yes. Clearly now they are involved with the situation with Credit Suisse. There's a yes. liquidity line that's being yes. offered. And some people are saying that with all of these decisions, as well as the losses that are sitting on the balance sheet, this could actually jeopardize the Swiss financial center as being one of the more safe haven, as benefiting from a safe haven status. I don't see that happening at all. And central banks should take action when it's necessary to, and, uh, to take action, and should not worry about the short-term impacts on profits and losses of the actions that they take. Switzerland has an extremely credible monetary and financial setup that's due to the SMB, but it's also due to a very strong consensus in the population at large and among politicians. Uh, we should have proper fiscal policy, not run large deficits, we should aim for low inflation and so on, for the, you know, the rule of law, etc. So, uh, I mean, Switzerland has many advantages that it has sort of accumulated over time, over the last hundred years at least, so I, I don't think the, there's any risk of that. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.